I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. What have you been up to bandwise then if you've not been uh, kind of playing shows? I guess uh, like lots of recording. I think it's just giving me a lot of time to kind of, I don't know, like maybe get better at things that I was lacking in from traveling a lot. It's sort of like using certain equipment and, you know, audio engineering in itself, I guess you can nerd out pretty hard. So I've just kind of, <laughs> I've just kind of been like deep diving into audio engineering and equipment and sort of, I bought a few new pieces of kit and gear and stuff. So it's just been a bit of growth in that department, I guess. Like there's not a lot you can do when you're doing lots of shows. So now it's, yeah, I guess it's opened a different door, which is nice for now what sort of stuff have you been working on like in terms of like sharpening your skills i guess even just like back to basics like eqing stuff and compression and uh, getting lots of like weird interesting plugins and like i finally got ableton 11 and that just that the suite of that came with so much cool new like effects you could apply and just weird shit like harmonic noise generators and <laughs> just stuff that you're like I never thought I needed this and then now that you're using it you're like this is cool this is <laughs> <laughs> this is really cool so yeah are you I know whenever I find like a new skill or whatever I tend to use it on everything like if I discover a new technique when I'm doing something like this I'll use it all the time for a bit are you kind of the same yeah yeah big time <laughs> if I like it it's like it's on everything and then I yeah. and then I look back I don't even realize it either I'll get to like the end of like say a batch of songs and i'll be like hang on all of these has it on there <laughs> there's like this one plugin uh, there's this j37 tape machine and like i'm such a big like boards of canada fan so i love all like really Scottish band. yeah uh, there's a plugin that's like based on their wobbly kind of sound and it's just like i've just used it to death now I'm like, it's the best. It's like, it's kind of like a vibrato-y thing, but when it's in like a tape machine, it's like way cooler. It sounds more lush. How long does it take for you to stop using it on everything and then start to use it a little bit more sparingly? Like for the excitement to wear off a little bit? I, it hasn't happened yet, but I think I, it, it's created <laughs> this kind of consistency with the album I'm working on at the moment. It's kind of just, because it's on everything, everything has that same kind of wobbly kind of vibe which is i don't know maybe i'm just trying to make everything sound like you're underwater but it's <laughs> eventually i'll get seasick and i'll be like nah i need to just it's time to get clean again and <laughs> is the ultimate nothing is that kind of part of that record or is it something just yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah i guess i i kind of spread this album out a lot more than i did the lot like my first record it was kind of like 
sort of all done within like a four month period and I just belted it out and then released everything at once. But this time I've kind of been doing like singles over like a larger time frame. So they're all kind of really different, but then I've tried to like keep the production the same. So it's kind of, it kind of flows. It's all the same. It's, you know, it's, it's a record rather than just being like, here's this, here's this. And although they kind of sound really different now, I guess I'm trying to make, I'm in the process of trying to get them to sound all cohesive. It's in that same warbly <laughs> underwater, <laughs> underwater world. <laughs> yeah. If you're trying to get them to sound all cohesive, once you've put that song out, does that make it easier? Cause you kind of have this thing that you can center yourself around a little bit. You have this kind of blueprint. I think, yeah, I think so. I think it can be good and bad. I guess if you're you're happy with the song and you're like, this is a good release, then it's great to kind of build on that for the whole record. I guess the only downside is that you can't, I don't know, I guess I like the challenge. Like I I would never release something and then scrap it because it didn't fit. I'd just try and make everything fit, if that makes sense. Like I'd be moving everything around and, deleting stuff and then it's just like a constant process it's just like moving things in and out of the album and then like being like actually it's not that it's not the track that's the problem it's the order and then but that's just getting psychotic i think i've like got to the point where i'm like you just you're just a freak like stop it (laughs) (laughs) once you've changed the order though would you then possibly change the track like, if you change it and you oh, this could fit really well in here if I just tweak it slightly in this direction? I think with the ones I've already released, I've, I kind of, I spent so much time on them that I was kind of just like, I don't really want to touch them, I guess. I'm sort of just like, let's mould the, like you said, just like mould the album around them. So it's kind of more of a hip hop record than originally I sort of anticipated. It's like I started you know, collaborating with Chris Patterson and, and and Power Negro and stuff like I did on the last record. But then it's kind of like once you've got that hip-hop element in there, you're like, I can't just, like, use it sparingly. It's like let's just make a kind of weird psych hip-hop record again that's more hip-hop than the previous one. But it's like I guess working with what you've got, you're like, this stuff's really good. I don't want to just, like, scrap anything. I'd rather just build around it and turn it into its own it sort of just comes into its own at the end of the day, eventually. How developed the songs when you bring someone in to collaborate on it or feature on it rather? Uh, usually they're done. Like I'll, sometimes I'll just make them with a general structure in mind and be like, you know, do you want to do something from here to here? And, and then sometimes it'll be like just changing like the lengths of stuff to fit or in, I've got a single coming in about a month and that's one of those things where I worked on it and then Nelson or Pounder Negro just kind of threw some stuff down and I was like, this is awesome. And then I kind of reshaped everything again. And I don't know, it's a lot of like brutal cutting and deleting entire sections and moving stuff. I guess it's the beauty of, of kind of using a computer now. So you can just like, everything's just so it's way too easy you're like i'm just gonna do this let's just pitch this whole bit down let's just <laughs> really you know fuck it up <laughs> so but yeah usually pretty done i'd say i i like to give someone something that they're like oh this sounds really like i'll try and mix it as well as i can too and get it so that they're really excited or whatever they're not just like you know not just like here's my shitty demo like it's like here's a good sounding instrumental. If you, if you want to like put stuff on it and then go from there, but yeah. Would you give them a few options, or would you just give them the one? Like, would you send a few beats to, or not beats, but instrumentals? Yeah. I guess. I mean, that would be the more normal way to do it, right? You just you can make lots of beats and you send them. But I think I'm, I do, I, I do very little in ways of like making completely new songs. I tend to like, you know, I might do like twenty cut it down to 10 and then work on that 10 for like a whole year rather than, so I tend to already be like in my head, I'm like, this would sound really good with, with this on it. And then I just send them the one thing and I'm like, just hope that they're interested and want to do something. (laughs) 
it's like it's just super like i don't know it can it can bite me because it's like if you can't get that person it's like oh, okay i'll rethink this and but i tend to like i once i'm kind of set on what i want to do with the album i just like work on these songs until i'm happy with them i'm i'm very like ocd in that way I like rather than say just writing new songs and being like these are better I'm like, no, these, these are the ones I just have to finish them. <laughs> it's the only difference. So there's, there's not many uh, like people taking pictures songs kind of hiding in the vault. Like it's mostly you just you won't finish it if it's not going to be on a record. Yeah. I mean, I would say there's a few in the vault, but they're like, I wouldn't say they're like close to finished. They're just sort of like random bits and pieces. And I do have like a lot of beats that I made because originally it was actually like two projects. I had psyche poppy kind of project and then I had just beat tapes that I was making um, on like a real to real thing. And I was just like really into like hip hop beats and, and all of that. And then really into like, you know, pond and, and all that kind of psych stuff too. It kind of became like a thing where it was like, Oh, it'd be way easier just to mash it all together than have to start two different things. So I just ended up mashing it together. So there are a lot of leftovers from that, from the fallout of that kind of those two worlds. Cause it's so messy once you try and like, just do that. You know what I mean? You got such a strong theme and you're like, Oh, this is a really nice like psych record. This is some cool hip hop beats. And then you suddenly go and there's just shit everywhere. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> you're like, I don't even know what I like. Maybe I'll, you know, the next album might just be like, ethiopian jazz i'll be like i just don't know what i like anymore so <laughs> it ends up being a mess mm. how how long did it take for it to stop sounding like the two projects and for it to start to sound like one thing that's a good question i think like it's like i had all the songs and then it was probably like two or three months into making it and i was scrapping bits and i was i think getting like nelson on that stuff and having I got like um, Ben Caddy who does some of the strings on the crumpet stuff as well. He did some string arranging on a couple of those tracks. And that's when I was like, kind of like, Hey, this could work. Like this could be a cohesive thing. I guess like I, I was always like such a big fan of gorillas growing up. So it was like, I really loved how Damon would just kind of mash everything in and it worked. Like you didn't have to be like a massive hip hop fan or a massive blur fan or whatever you were into do you know what i mean to like gorillas it was its own new thing which was made up of you know dub and dub and 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 you know reggae dub and then you know hip-hop and then electronic and it's just everything in there so i just yeah i guess yeah it's just a thing you can't it, when spotify's like so what genre is it you're like i don't fuck like <laughs> <laughs> just you know so it doesn't fall into anything so which i think once you get over that you're not trying to you're not trying to play to a certain audience or play to a I don't know, it's kinda of like I guess that's when it it's more of a psychological thing of being like, okay, these work together rather than thinking of them as two different things. It's like now I just think of it as like this one thing that I do that's different and doesn't really fit anywhere. Do you do you approach the writing differently once you have you frame it that way in your mind? I I think this album definitely like, because the last one, I guess, is you, you're leading up to that. You've got so much stuff to work from already. But then this one, I kind of was like, I think I know where I want to take it. And then, yeah, it, it, I guess how, I guess because like my main instrument is like guitar. So it's sort of like, how can I fit guitar into these things? Because a lot of the time in jazz and hip hop, you've got lots of, you know, pianos and guitar is not very prominent. So it's kind of like, how can I make a sound that fits? both the kind of warbly psych stuff I like. And then, so, cause I obviously I'll write more on guitar than I can on any other instrument. Guitar and drums are probably the only two things I spend lots of time on. And then, you know, the rest is sampling and, you know, the, the icing really, it's not like, <laughs> it's kind of the foundation though, I guess coming from that world of guitar, that foundation is, I don't know. It's like, it's, I sort of been a head fuck trying to go from heavy, like heavy psychedelic rock and almost metal in some cases. It's like pulling yourself out of that and sort of going more jazzy, guitar-y sort of stuff. And I guess I just sort of approach it more like a, almost like a jazz guitarist now, 
which is what I used to do years ago. So it's sort of like writing from that headspace rather than what riffs can I make. It's like what can I do here and lots more synthesizers and stuff too. So that helps. That probably makes yeah. it easier as well though. Like if you were writing something that was more in sight to me as another project, it would be harder to kind of distinguish it. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Like you yeah. probably fall into similar patterns, whereas by doing something completely different, you kind of remove that possibility altogether. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I, I definitely wanted to get away from what I'd done, you know, what I was doing a lot of. It's sort of like, I don't, I don't actually listen to a lot of like heavy music anymore. So I, you know, I spend a lot more time listening to, to jazz and hip hop and stuff. So it's like, guess I'm making more of what I like listening to than, than what I'd play in, you know, in other projects. So it's refreshing for sure. Yeah. Did you play in like jazz bands and stuff growing up? Yeah. Well, my, I, originally I played in like a big band, like it was like a 30 piece band that in high school. And that was kind of like, that was probably the first sort of gigging and stuff I was doing was with that giant band playing guitar and that it's very like you take a very back seat in that sort of thing. You just sort of sit there and you, you know, your amps really turn down and you just play in these like three note voicings and shit. <laughs> so it's good, but yeah, I guess that you get some nice shapes, you learn some cool shapes and that's, but you're very unheard in a big band, you know, it's all like brass and it's really, yeah, I used to I used to play in them as well, but I feel like you kind of get a sense of you learn your place if that makes sense. Like you learn that maybe even mm. though what you're playing doesn't feel significant, when you no. hear someone playing something and you're kind of complimenting it, you realize like yeah. how important every piece it's of the puzzle very, is. Yeah, you're very much in the engine room. It's nice. It's kind of nice. I you know, it's a lot easier to to sit and kind of be a part of that than say in like a four piece or five piece where you got important parts you know you can hit a wrong note and everyone's just like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> yeah was that a, a gradual transition for you did you kind of just jump in the deep end when it came to doing the four piece stuff I, I i well i think like when i got out of high school you know i started sort of experimenting a bit more with you know drugs and stuff when you get really into music and you get you go into that deep end of like psych music and just i guess and and all of that kind of gent comes from blues music so i got really into blues when i left school and had this kind of three-piece blues band that we were really into cream and stuff like that so it was like nice it was sort of this like and there was a quite a wave too in perth at the time um, there were a few bands kicking around that were kind of that same vein, like heavy bluesy rock sort of stuff. So it was kind of like that. I think the combination of all those things was like pushed me. And then, and then you know, obviously, like I met Jack, and he was more into really obscure psych, like different, like a different level of guitar playing, you know, rather than a pentatonic. <laughs> it's like okay well now now we're doing kind of like uh you know like middle eastern kind of scales and stuff it's really something else so but yeah i guess transitioning from the big band to, it was then big band then blues you know heavy psych blues and then whatever the hell we're doing now i don't even know what it is but <laughs> <laughs> and now it's and now it's hip-hop slash psychedelic <laughs> um, i don't know i if, if whenever i get like sort of confused i'm like okay just sort of look at people like flying lotus and and those guys how they're kind of just doing this whole new thing that's never been done yeah kind of just carving their own path yeah yeah and then and then you know there's no i just love how those guys just there's no doubt they're just like here's this new level of shit you're like you know wow (laughs) you're like you've just kind of like come in and changed electronic music and simultaneously it's kind of like this new psychedelic kind of realm i don't know it goes beyond guitars and beyond everything i don't know it's pretty wild are there certain sounds that kind of feel like i'm trying to think of the word i was going to say symbolic of psychedelic music but that's not the word i'm looking for (laughs) like are there certain sounds that feel tied to it like what we're saying about how they're doing something really electronic but it still feels psychedelic what is it that's kind of giving you that feeling from it I think the use of the use of effects and stuff are very I don't know like the use of delays and then 
I guess it's kind of loose, the definition of psychedelic, like it could be anything, but it's, you'd obviously get a lot of like Thundercat bass lines and stuff that are like, I don't know, they're kind of psychedelic in their own right. I guess it's like where it crosses over with jazz and free jazz and all that stuff. It's sort of like, I don't know. I guess when you start mashing things to be- together, people are just like, it's psychedelic. It's like <laughs> you, you played a bunch of wrong notes here and you had a delay pedal here <laughs> and then in the middle. <laughs> it's like right there. I don't know. I guess maybe it's just an easier way to define it, define it for me. I don't know. I, I always get my genres wrong anyway. I'm kind of just like if I like something, I like something. But I'm, I could never sit there and be like, oh, it's, you know, it's post this or pre that or whatever. It's difficult. But then when you speak about his bass lines there, I get what you mean. But I can't put my finger on what exactly it is. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're very jazzy, but they're very, I think it's the combination of that. And then like the vocals are always super delayed. And I guess his bass especially lies in, he tends to have octave pedals and shit on it. So it lies, it can sit in the sub frequencies the mids everything so he's kind of like a guitar player in a lot of ways too so yeah i don't know i guess that that's my i guess i look at that and i'm like yeah that's that's kind of like the future of music that gives me comfort and bands like hiatus cody and stuff they're kind of like creating this they created this their own kind of world and didn't really fit any kind of mold in any way you mentioned as well when you left school you kind of you know, when you start maybe getting into psychedelics themselves and it kind of pushes you in a slightly different direction musically, yeah. how can you still use them to kind of influence your creativity? Can they still have an effect on it or is that something that just kind of happens when you first start getting into them? It's different now. I think, I think nothing, I don't think anything ever kind of rocks your world as much as like the initial kind of experiences that you have in what you know whatever you're doing (laughs) it's like you know what i mean though it's like it it's like you've just been going along living your life and then it's like bam and it smashes you and then you suddenly i don't know you open this world of possibilities and now now i'm like what i'm like nearly 30 now and it's like you know i've had lots of experiences but i wouldn't say like i guess too i guess like there hasn't been as many opportunities to kind of I don't know. I feel like when I back, you know, when there were a lot of gigs on and stuff and we were traveling a lot, there was a lot more like seeing lots of other bands and musos that were just world-class and now being here, there's not many shows going on, like no one visits or anything. So if any experiences now are more like sort of personal things that you, you're just trying to better yourself as a person rather than being like, you know, now I like jazz or now I like Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) it's like it's sort of like that's past now it's more like just personally growing as you sort of get on with your life i don't know i i I think more now i use them as like a tool for like more growth in in areas of my life other than music i feel like with music i'm like i already love everything i love every genre i've i've dived into all the depths of music that i can you know yeah, it's not the same. Like, it's like I, I could put on a prolific album and, and get really fucked up and be like, that's great, but it's still never going to be the... I don't know. Maybe I've just got listened to too much now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a... Yeah, it's like a, an addiction. You're like, okay, now I've, yeah, done it too much. Would, would you ever go into it with an intention? Like, what you're saying there, you might use it now to better yourself. Would you go in with that in mind? I think I try and go in with some intention. Like I've had a few like trips um, like on mushrooms and stuff recently where I've kind of gone, I want to kickstart my creativity or whatever. Cause you can get, you know how you get caught up. There's two sides to your brain. It's like, you got your, your working side and you, you know, you, if you work, you know, whatever you're doing for a job and your emails and all that shit. And I feel like it's very easy to get caught in that side for me anyway. And then if I need to go back to, super creative kind of the super creative side of my brain i guess sometimes that can kickstart it again you know start to appreciate little details and things and 
But I tend to, I, I, I like weed for mixing. I think weed's great for mixing. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about that in the way that it just allows you to kind of hone in on it almost. Mm. Kind of clears the tunnel or clears everything else of the way. It, it does, it, especially like mixing with headphones. Like I've, I've got a decent monitor set up, but when I put cans on and if I'm, you know, a bit stoned, it's like I can just... Yeah, you, you hone in on the stupidest shit. You're like, that snare has like this weird <laughs> undertone that you'd never heard before. You know, you've been working on this track for like a year and now all of a sudden the snare or undertone is like bugging you. I guess it, it's nice to know like if you've thought it through that much that like someone else is going to get high and, and listen to it and be like, oh, I'm so glad they got rid of that snare undertone. Whatever the fuck is wrong with it. It's so, yeah it's proper like yeah does it is it help more with like the creative aspects than the technical ones because like if i smoke and then i go and try and edit a podcast or whatever i miss all these like tiny little pops and clicks and stuff and it's like messy i think you can do if you do both you have like a session where you're creatively working on the song and then the next day you can go through and go you know sober you can be like all right uh, like i don't know what i was doing here this is weird or I guess like more, I feel like I, I would, when it's getting to crunch time, it's like I need a mix finished. That's when I'm like sort of, you know, doing it sober and making sure it's just, it's just right. But I'll tend to make like better decisions. Yeah, I just make better decisions high, I think. Like more interesting decisions. It's like maybe they're not like technically perfect, but you would have never thought of that in any other thing. You're like, I, yeah. you look at it the next day, you're looking at the Ableton file and you're like, the fuck happened last night? <laughs> like, what, what did I do? Why did I think to bust everything to this channel <laughs> or something weird like that? You're like thinking you're some sort of like sonic Picasso <laughs> just in your own little world. But yeah. It's almost like the closest you can get to being another person working on it, but it's still being you. Like it's just about trying to get that other perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing second to that is just going away for like, or not listening to it for like a month. And then coming back and, but I feel like if you don't have a month, you know, just changing your overall headspace with various things can help. <laughs> <laughs> like it's weird. Like if I've had a few, if I've had a few drinks or something, it's, it's a different thing altogether. It ends up being a really bass heavy mix or something. And you're like, oh, just got carried away. I tend, I, ca- I can't drink and mix. Like I just, it's always so shit. I'll always it's make it puts you in the mood for partying. Yeah. So you're just like jacking everything up and then you come back and you're like, you've lost all this like precious detail in, in the high end and stuff. And yeah, it's got to be used sparingly. It's a tool. <laughs> They're all tools. Yeah. Does it almost come back to a little bit as well about what the ultimate nothing's about and about trying to find this space where you feel very present? Is it a way to kind of get to that? I think, yeah, I think it's, it's not as, I think it's as authentic. Like it's just like, it's very hard to kind of be mindful and, and kind of be in that really nice state of mind when you're so busy and you're doing shit. And I think if, you, if you're high, you can just switch it off really quick. But in saying that, like that song was very much about like a transition of mindset. Like I got pretty heavily into Ram Das and like all of his, his lectures and, and stuff. And he's just, I guess that's where you go like from experimenting with certain things and understanding that there's more to than what we can see in this dimension. I'm not going to go too deep, <laughs> but just waffle on that dimension. No, but like, I guess the, the whole thing with, with Ram was like, he kind of put everything in layman's terms of being like, you know, I guess just being more present and being aware of things. And, and, and I guess when I sort of approached Shannon to do the track, he's kind of in the same sort of headspace and he was like, what do you want it? What's it about? Like, what do you want it to be about? And I was kind of like, well, I've got these samples in there of, of Ram, one of Ram's lectures that was about, you know, breathing and, and kind of how the breath is so connected to everything. And then his lyrics kind of just went from there and, you know, he, he did his thing. And I guess, yeah, I guess that was because he obviously passed away last year. So it was very like, I don't know, he kind of came, I sort of found him at a point in my life where it was like super necessary to kind of be aware of what I was feeling and, yeah, you just kind of more, I don't know, just not taking the piss 
so hard anymore. You're just sort of like, how can I be a human and be the best human I can be in in every area, not just music? Or so I guess that was my sort of it was like a homage, I guess, to him and and that kind of like yeah, that kind of that th- thought process of just being in the moment and being very trying to connect with everything and not not wasting time and not wasting you know your breath on things and yeah so it's a serious one <laughs> <laughs> had, yeah. had he passed when you discovered his teachings no so i probably found him like two or three, uh, three maybe longer like three or four years ago and so i used to listen to a lot of his stuff like he he had like a stroke and he was pretty um he like stopped obviously doing a lot more lectures and things after that happened because he was pretty cooked. But he, I guess all of his old stuff is like next level. Like, I mean, he was really good friends with Timothy Leary, who, you know, was like one of the pioneers of kind of LSD and, and all of that stuff, you know, and those guys were both psychologists at, um, pretty sure they were both at Harvard or something together. And then they just were like, Oh, fuck this. We're going to, go off and and then he yeah it's pretty wild it's it's really interesting if you get time to look into it it's pretty cool some of his stuff yeah i've seen some of it it's interesting because it's about taking the lessons you can learn when you have those experiences and applying them in a normal space context yeah and i think that was that was kind of the transition for me from being from from you know taking psychedelics and stuff and it being like a night out and or like a loose night it it was more about like what can I get from out of this that's on a deeper level and more connected to everything. It's weird that they've been like reappropriated as a party drug in that way, to a certain extent. And and that's the thing. I think it can be used that way. But then if you're, I think if you're naturally a person that wants to get everything you can out of life, you know, rather than just surface level, you know, if you're willing to go deeper and, and learn more about yourself and and learn how to be a better person. I think it's, you can use that stuff as a tool. And I think that's for me, definitely like early twenties to now, the transition now is like, if I'm going to do that stuff, it's like, I'm going to do it to, to grow as a person, not just going to be like smashing it back and going to the pub. It's like, I'd rather (laughs) go, you know, out to a a bush. in in Las Vegas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's on another. Le- I mean, he was documenting though, so I guess that kind of had a higher purpose. He was kind of. I like, feel like he kind of just used that as an excuse, though, didn't he? Yeah, he probably. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was just a raging alcoholic. <laughs> but um, yeah. What's a lesson that you've learned from those experiences that you feel really has like positively impacted your life, like on a day to day level? Honestly, I think the one thing that always comes up is like the fear of death and the fear of time kind of ending. I think once you can get comfortable with the idea that, you know, your body is just kind of this vessel and, you know, when you die, it's just your, your you know, your flesh packet dying. I think that, <laughs> that sound, you know, I think that was the biggest thing I took away was like removing that fear of uncertainty of the unknown and you know i think people are scared of silence and darkness and and that kind of like closing the book on their life they're like oh you know i think coming to terms with dying i know that sounds ridiculous because i'm not even 30 yet but it's like time moves fast man it's yeah but it's not just about your death i guess it's like other things in your life people passing away and just moving through life i think you can have a way better kind of you can have a, you can live way more in the moment when you're not scared of 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 what's to come because you know I think it's so easy to get bogged down and be like I'm scared of my you know my parents dying or I'm scared of this happening or once you kind of ha- removing that fear almost makes you a much better person and more open and you take advantage of situations more and relationships and friendships and you just don't take the piss as much I think. I think to push me definitely creatively a lot more, you know, I, I think I had some experiences and stuff where you, you just go, Oh, I'm definitely doing music forever and I'm doing it. Like I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to go down this path of like uncertainty, but I want to, I want to make some really good earworms. 
I guess that's that would be the lighter side. I would say like there's this really deep, heavy, meaningful side to those experiences that I've took away, and and then there's also a very practical side of it too, where it's like I want I want people to experience something meaningful, you know, when uh, maybe a deeper listen. I think that's the, especially this record. It's been very like, how can I get a nice deep listen out of this? Like, you know, I want people to be headphones on wherever they are. You know, they're comfortable, and it rather than like it being like a party record or whatever. It's more like a, I don't know. You just listen to. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that comes from those internal experiences I've had. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of paralleling the psychedelic experience that we were talking about. Mm. Like this idea that it's not a party thing, it's something you sit down and you try and take something from mm. or experience something from. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's almost like I'm trying to get back there without without a substance. It's like I'm, I'm trying to excite the brain in the same way that maybe psychedelics would. <laughs> it's like how can, you, how can you make it really lush and deep and so that people can have a really nice sort of listening experience at the end of it. I mean, they've done studies into that, haven't they, that when you look at the way like what music does to your brain, like when you mm. scan your brain, when you listen to music and the amount of kind of energy and stuff that's going on. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's far yeah. more than any other art form. And you could compare that to like what it does to your brain when you're on psychedelics. It's a similar thing in the way that it stimulates it. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they're only still working out a lot of those deeper study areas of the brain and, and how complex it is. And I think, yeah, I mean, there was that whole thing where they had, they were, you know, playing music to Alzheimer's patients and stuff. And it was like these people would suddenly like click back and remember like their like childhood and shit. And this is stuff they couldn't remember for shit. You know, they couldn't even tell what they did yesterday. And then they'd play these this music and it would it would just reignite their whole brain. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's like we know more about the universe than we know about the human brain, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's I think like crazy. I think the next like 10 years even is going to be, there's going to be a lot of development. Like it's just get it's going to get silly in our lifetime. I think. Well, you look at like Neuralink and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> the world's gone r- ridiculous. I mean, but yeah. I mean, the fact that people like Elon exist is just, it's, it's pretty fucking hilarious. I mean, he's just, he's a nutcase. But, like, there's all this, like, uncharted waters that people are just like, let's go there. And it's like, okay, whatever. It's it, At the end of the day, I've just gone full Blade Runner with it. I'm like, I don't care what we do now. Let's just do it. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> it, I mean, it's like if we lived 300 years ago, you lived in that era when you were exploring the world, you mm-hmm. know, and you're discovering American stuff, whereas now it feels like we're living in an era where we're just exploring the kind of limits of technology and seeing where that can take us. Yeah. It's not like a physical exploration. It's much more internal, internal thing, which is kind yeah. of more exciting because everyone yeah. can experience it. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, it's all about internal experimentation. I mean, the, the, like even the stuff they're figuring out about, um, you know, sleep and, and dreaming and all of this stuff. It's just, there's so many areas that just have not been touched. And you're like, it's wild. I mean, and, and I mean, the pandemic's like one thing and you've got like climate change, you've got all this shit, but then on the side, you've just got this like super deep dive into, into neurology. And it's like, fuck, this is going to get wild. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I think, I think it's like growing up, I guess you're kind of like, oh yeah, like shit's getting pretty cool. Like, you know, now we've got touch screens and whatever. And because it's exponentially growing, it's like now we're looking at all this new stuff and we're like, holy shit, like wh- where's music going to go? And like, is it going to be new? You know, like how's the Neuralink going to affect music? Like will we be able to, you know, download time signatures and you can do <laughs> time signatures. Like, you can all really- just completely lock into a signature when you're playing live. Like you can lock straight into the BPM. The it's click like track click, is in the Neuralink, don't. yeah. Yeah. It's in the Neuralink. You can't fuck up because your arms won't let you if you're a drummer. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. It's Yeah, it's, it's just such a strange time. But I think if you, you either get terrified about it or you just like embrace it. Yeah. 
I mean, there's downsides like privacy is out the window already. Like, oh, totally. If you cool. want privacy, you just can't have a phone. Well, people keep saying that there's still, I mean, there's a lot of people talk about it as if the fight's still going on, but it's like, I feel like we kind of gave into that for the sake of no. convenience like and 20 you, years ago. And you, and you can't, if you have a device, there's data on you. Like you can't, I don't see the point in fight. If you want to really fight it, get yourself like some hectic GPS phone and go live out in a log cabin or something. <laughs> like that's the only way. If you've got an iPhone or Android or whatever, it's like you, you're in the system. But I think I don't really care about them having data on me. It's more like it's more because obviously it's all around advertising. So it's like if the ads are working on me, I'll be pissed off. But I think I'd, I'd barely buy anything. So I only buy shit that I need. So if, if an ad pops up and it's like so niche and it's so t- targeted at me, I'm just like, you're not, you're not going to get me this time. Like you might have my data, <laughs> but you haven't got my money. Like I'm not going to buy it. Even if you really need it, you'll, you won't buy it out of protest. Yeah, maybe. But I never really need it. And that's the thing. That's where they get you. Yeah. You, you don't need, I mean, it's like if you've got a roof over your head and you've got food, it's like everything else is Happy days. additional shit really, isn't it? We spoke like, I think it was maybe like five, ten minutes ago, you are talking about this idea with like dementia patients where they play music and it kind of takes them back to these memories they hadn't thought of in years. And it reminded me of a thing that, I heard Kevin Parker did where he would put on like chords, yeah. go to sleep, and then he would wake up and he'd have melodies in his head. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. What's the kind of what's kind of the closest you've gotten to that? Where have you kind of pushed in terms of experimentation with creating music? Maybe I've done that sort of thing, but not like intentionally. Like a lot of I will listen to music a lot before I go to bed, and if there's that, that kind of does happen. I don't necessarily need to have it, you know, running until I go to sleep. It's more like I'll just wake up sometimes and be like, oh, this is a cool idea and hum it into my phone or whatever, just record it. But I think my my end came more from trying to start songs with just like a snippet, like a sample or just something so small, maybe maybe like a, a loop of guitar chords and then building it from that and just once I bring new instruments in, I can start to structure it that way like I'm, I'm for some reason i've never been able to sit down and be like play a guitar and write like a whole song you know and be like here's the chorus and here's this and then i'll always just have like a snippet and then i work kind of like any other kind of hip-hop producer and i'll just it'll be like samples of my live recorded stuff and then so it's kind of like that would be my biggest thing with experimenting is just like, does this sound trigger an emotion? If it does, then it stays. And then I work around it and everything else is building on that sound. I think that also ties into what you were saying about the idea of this being an experience. Cause when you listen to it, it's kind of like you find a groove for like a section and then we kind of just chill on that for a bit. We chill on that loop and then there'll kind of be a bit of scrambling and we'll kind of, walk away around and we'll find something else and then we chill in that group for a bit and it kind of just goes very naturally mm. and it kind of just allows you to immerse yourself in it rather than it being this very kind of tight regimented structured thing if it's a lot more organic and kind of just free flow yeah i think that that's kind of pretty much what the process is like so it's yeah it's very yeah i, I like it's very kind of avalanches how they kind of chop their songs up and there's no like conventional you know, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, outro, whatever. It's kind of just like, this sounds good for this amount of time. And I think there's some bits where I'm like, oh, I wish I made that longer because it's like a nice groove. But then, I, yeah, I get kind of bored and then it's like it'll change to something else or whatever. But I think it's definitely a weird way of constructing things. It's like it's not... Very, yeah, it's <laughs> it takes a lot longer because you know you're not you're not kind of being like here's the start, here's the end, let's fill it in, and you do you go okay, here's the drums, here's this, here's that. It kind of ends up, you know, there'll be a version of the song, and then suddenly I've chopped it to a million pieces, and then I'm like, okay, well now I need to redo the drums so that there's a bit more variety in the fills and whatever. So I'll redo everything again. It's just like this consistent. It's just redoing of everything, but yeah. When 
when you play it like you know you're saying that you kind of wish that maybe some sections had gone on a little bit longer when you're playing it live would you either kind of elongate it a wee bit and change it slightly and let it take on a different shape yeah definitely i think taking a lot of that stuff to to live like it was never intended to be live i guess a couple of the guys were like you should do it and i was like okay well, let's do it and that's kind of changed the way i think about it for sure like going into this album i was a bit more like oh that's okay to leave this you know for a bit longer and because doing it live yeah there's definitely room to to extend bits and make it a bit more like interesting but i guess that's the thing once you get together with a band that's how it's just a different thing it's like so different from just me by myself in ableton it's like people are more like oh let's you know people throw in more ideas and a bit more stuff so the live show ends up being maybe more like maybe more close to the idea than the actual recording is because it's kind of like you've got this more humane kind of approach and more people being like responsive to things and i don't know (laughs) i don't know it's also it's also it's also easier to make it an experience Mm. when it is actually an experience in that way Mm. like a physical tangible one Mm. where you're in a place yeah it's happening in front of you it's kind of more encouraging it's like a it pushes you along a bit more having that live energy and you're kind of willing to put more into sections and more into certain things. Cause you're like, you know, this sounds great live, but when you, when you're mixing or whatever, it's just, it's harder to get yourself in that mindset of like, you know, you know, it's not like you've got all the homies there. Just like, <laughs> you know, that's probably why, that's probably why all the rap, uh, you know, the hip hop producers and stuff, they've always got all their mates in the studio just like that extra like level of energy whereas i guess i'm more like introverted so i just you know it's it's just me hyping myself up i'm like yeah get it <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous but yeah no definitely makes sense so when you're collaborating with other artists and you have people featuring the songs is it very much you just send it to them and it's kind of a separate thing not all the time i i think it it was like that with chris patterson this time um but normally like i'll get them to come around you know like i work a lot with nelly like me and him will do like a really long session and we'll bounce off each other and throw lyrics in and it just kind of becomes this really cool thing um where where the whole thing will be written like with just us two sitting there together with like some loop going on 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 the thing um so I guess, yeah, when I've collaborated with Nelly, it's been more like that. And and same with the strings and stuff on the first record with Ben. It was like he was in the room, we were recording. And I definitely prefer it that way. I guess, I guess yeah, it just depends. Like Shannon kind of sent me some stuff and it already sounded pretty good. You know, he used and, the, you know, the setup he had was fine. So I was just like, you know, why would I kind of redo it? But, yeah, I think I definitely prefer doing it with the person. It just kind of. I don't know, validates the whole experience a bit more. But, I mean, yeah, there's heaps of people, I guess, collaborating all over the world now and just sending each other files and stuff, which is the other end of it where it's like, you know, we never would have been able to do that. So, yeah, that's cool too. Yeah, it sounds like you want to mix of both. Like you like the fact that you can have the open-ended possibility we can get in touch with anyone in the world. But then also in terms of the experience itself, you prefer it when it's in the room. Yeah, and I think too, like, it, you know, it's such early days that it's not really like I can collaborate with anyone at the moment overseas. It's like, you know, no one, you know, no, it's, no one's kind of aware of the project. So it's a lot, it's different, you know, working with people from Perth, like from hometown, because they're just like people you know well and you're like, they're just keen to hang out and, and they're keen to be involved. And I think that's that's just i don't know that comes through quite strong i think i don't know especially in this next record it's very like yeah i don't know it just has this kind of strength to it i think that maybe the last one didn't as much but then i'd love to collaborate more with people you know from overseas but yeah one day it's sort of just like it's still just so early early days for it so do, do you have an idea of where this project is going ahead of time like in terms of where it's going to go sonically as a thing definitely i think i tend to almost map out another album halfway through the current one like i sort of 
I don't know. I like this album's got a kind of slower tempo and it's it's very hip hop and I don't know. I kind of really liked. There was a, few, a lot of electronica and, and house and stuff I was really into. And I, I liked the idea of maybe doing a housey kind of record that was like with all instruments and rather than being like super electronic, it was like, you know, real drum kits and stuff like that. So I think, and I think that's kind of building on adventure shit, which was very housey, but, <laughs> but not. It's like a psychedelic kind of house thing with a real drum kit and it was really weird. So I just thought maybe I can build on that idea and just make something that's that you can listen to with headphones and deep dive, but maybe you can also put on in a club and maybe go out and I don't know. I just like the idea. I think people need that at the moment. Everyone's already kind of depressed and introverted, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe they need some like, you know, get out and about kind of music too so but yeah i think yeah subconsciously i think of all these things and then once i can't but i can never do it until i've closed the the book because i know what i'm like you know i struggle to finish things so it's like here's the album finish it all right next one and then yeah that's probably the best way to be otherwise you just end up with a load of ableton files and that's it <laughs> just a, a full hard drive and like no one knows you use it so. <laughs> yeah imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.